If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me as always across the internet is Drew Douglas. hi April. It's April new month. We've got a lot of things to talk about. So much content coming out from movies, mu- music, TV shows. Video games. I'm like fully into the, the show 22 at this moment. You have been playing that nonstop this last weekend. What? You only got up to go to the bathroom once and then you've been playing it? <laughs> uh, I played it a good amount, but I, I'll say that I was not able to play it as much as I would like. Because I had to go do things with my wife. <laughs> like fun things, but I had to be a so- social person. <laughs> and um, sometimes you just want to stay inside and play video games all day. Well, that's where for me, instead of staying at home, I've actually been pretty busy work-wise and, and also uh, with some personal things as well. So I have only been able to ingest certain things mainly on the go in the exception of one of the things that we'll be talking about a big movie that's being talked about quite a bit maybe for some of the bad maybe a little bit of the good uh on this episode of quality check podcast we are going to do a loves hates where drew and i talk about two things that we shared in the april pop culture pickums let's go ahead and dive into it just like a vampire sinking its fangs into all of us moviegoers with a brand new Sony Spider-Man film that is related to that universe in Morbius. Drew loves hates. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's not as bad as what everyone's saying. Ooh, interesting. Okay, because that's how I was feeling. I'm like, why are people dogging on this when they've loved Venom and Let There Be Carnage? I know, it's weird. I actually... And this is not a good movie, I don't think, by any stretch. But I kind of like that this one at least takes a serious tone. Like, the Venom movies are, at least the first one, I think, is fun to a degree. But they're so corny. At least there's no moments in this where he's, like, shooting ketchup in someone's face, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or calling somebody a pussy, you know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, that is almost like a, a 70s, 80s, campy style comic book character whereas this like you said it's more serious i like that it's a little darker a little different and then i yeah i don't think it's like you said it's not good it's not great but i had fun with it i actually had fun watching this movie it's like an hour and 40 minutes it goes by pretty fast Um, i know leto gets a lot of hate for his antics and Probably rightfully so, but I think he's a decent lead. Um, 
I, I feel like this movie, it feels like Sony wanted to do something and the MCU, Kevin Feige, really put their foot down and changed this movie in ways that hurt it. Sure. Because that's the impression I got, especially with the final act, which is a big fight um, underground, like an underground construction site. Like I was confused on the whole final action sequence. Uh, the payoff is not very good. He Spoiler alert, by the way, for all of this. Ooh. He uses bats to like distract <laughs> the other villain who I can't even remember his name, Milo. Yeah, is that that's it? right. Under, Played by Matt Smith. Matt Smith, who, one, I can't tell, is, is he attractive or not? Like, he's not traditionally <laughs> attractive. He has a unique face where he might be kind of attractive in a way that, like, Rami Malek is. I know this has no bearing on anything, but it's the things that I was thinking about watching this movie. Uh, yay or nay, <laughs> is is Matt Smith attractive? Yeah, I'd say so. Give him, but like you said, it's like a... Um, I don't know. It's like he's in that. It's a unique attractiveness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, anyway, he uses bass to like distract him and then he's able to like stab him with a serum that he was supposed to use on himself as well. And he just doesn't for some reason. Uh, but that whole thing is just like in a cave. It's dark. Um, I did, I, there were so many times in this movie. I just could not tell what was going on. That's one of the big complaints I heard as well. I was surprised at the where I went on the screen that I watched it on. It's not that bad. Like the projection quality was up. They had the lights brighter, so that helped. But I could see going in and watching this movie, if you have crappy projection, it's going to suck. And no pun intended, but... I didn't think mine was even bad. And I found it hard to hard to kind of follow the motion and the movement. Um, so I just think the conclusion is pretty weak. I think a lot of this movie just doesn't work and it feels like it's been altered in a, in a behind the scenes type of way. Yeah. And that's what honestly looking at this movie surprises me the most because they had so much time and especially with delaying it, I thought, okay, they're going to have some major time with Spider-Man, but they didn't. I mean, I think I think I think it did, and they and then the Feige was just like, no, mm. that's. I feel like the time was to separate itself even further because the end credit scenes make absolutely no sense with the vulture. Because yeah. why would why would he be sent there? Um, and we don't even know what Spider Man is in this universe. I've, if I had to guess, it's not Peter. It's not um, Holland. Obviously, I don't think it would be Tobey Maguire's. I would guess if it's of the three, it's Andrew Garfield, or maybe it's a brand new Spider-Man. Who knows what Sony's got planned out? Yeah, and that's that's what just blows my mind is, so wait, this is not in the Tom Holland universe now where Morbius is taking place, but why, like, why not give more of a, I don't know. And then again, maybe that's the point of it, is to tease us, just to get us talking about it and saying how much we're mad about not knowing and it making no sense. But yeah, it was just so, it felt so strange. And it honestly, that last bit where they're standing in the field and Leto drives out there and he meets, uh, well, it's obviously Michael Keaton's voice, but who knows who the heck is in that suit? 
because we never see his face. So it makes me wonder, maybe they shot it after Spider-Man because of that reason. And where in the world does he get the costume? You know, none of it makes any sense. Yeah. The end credit scene, the movie itself was whatever. I was like, oh, one, it's not as bad as those like early Marvel movies like Daredevil, Elektra. Like it's not bad enough to be lumped in with those movies. It's just not up to the MCU standards. It's like that kind of low tier, low to mid tier comic book stuff. But the end credit scenes really pushed it over the edge for me where I walked away confused and just kind of annoyed because it's just Sony being Sony. Yeah. It's like they're trying to do so much. It's clear that Feige and company don't want that. And it just hurts the product. True. Very true. I, I feel like so much is on the cutting room floor. Like all this stuff with Tyrese and his partner, <laughs> like nothing happens with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, they they pop up here and there and there's no point to it. And and like you said, that's another complaint I have heard that it seems like this movie is so rushed in terms of jumping from one thing to another that it does appear as if it's been chopped down. And I'm not really entirely sure if they were just trying to keep this super tight and get in as much in this amount of time as possible. But it does seem as if they were not that, I don't know, like Sony decided to change things toward the end and maybe they did. And then they had re-edited some of this stuff because, you know, at one time Tyrese's character was supposed to have either a mechanical arm or no arm or something like that. It's even referenced in the movie where he says, I lost my arm or it helped save my arm or whatever in Afghanistan. And he, he like flexes his like robotic fingers or something. Yeah. So this is, I, I don't know. There's There are a lot of things, like you said, it makes it seem a little strange and bizarre, but um, but overall, it, you know, the only campiness that really came from it that deviated was Matt Smith hamming it up when he's <laughs> doing push-ups and looking jacked in the mirror, and then he literally leaves. And I'm like, but at the same time with vampire stories, things like that, it's okay. Like I give it more of a pass because there's an essence to vampire movies where there's that campiness and cornball niche that I feel like it's got more breathing room to do whatever it wants. But I, I, I kind of liked it. Like I had fun with it. That's that, that would be the best way that I could describe this movie. And like, I'm a bit confused on why there is that hate um, toward this, especially coming out of Venom and how much that character got loved. And it made me wonder, do people just want to hate on Jared Leto? Maybe that's it. I think that's a big portion of it. I feel like the hate, and there's an article on this, but it started before the movie ever came out. Like people were already the steamroll in the movie. Now, yeah. Matt Smith... Um, wasn't it? I I really thought he was going to be like over the top and cheesy, and he's really not. Outside of the scene you mentioned where he's dancing, did you like? Was he? I guess the best side character. Uh, I I'd say so. I mean, it's the thing be him. is, yeah, I just can't think of anyone else that really stands out or really does a whole lot more. Sadly, <laughs> I mean, it is the it's the Leto show. Yeah, yeah. 
It should be. I mean, it is his movie, and that's why it is okay for these origin stories to be a little longer. I feel like it's Sony's MO right now to make basically 95-minute comic book films. I don't know if it's a money thing or what, because both Venom films are very short. Yeah. This is another example where it's, it's super short. Um, I think almost to a detriment of the material, even though the material is yeah. not great. I think if you fleshed it out a little bit, it would be better. Did you like the look of Morbius and then Milo? Yeah, I I actually really liked Morbius's look. Uh, in the beginning, I'm like, I don't know, but it seemed to grow on me. But Milo, I'm not really a big fan. Oh, I like, I like him in the suit. I like that they have two different kind of looks. In the suit, I did, but like whenever it's just him, it was just, I don't know. There's something very mousy about his look. That, I'm like, eh. <laughs> that might just be his face. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility that I kind of wonder, and I haven't done a lot of, um, of like behind the scenes, like watching of various behind the scenes making of this film, but I'd like to see that, like what they ended up doing and how they designed the face mainly for Milo, because like the character overall Morbius, I don't know a lot about in the comics. So this was fun to do. And that's another aspect of not knowing much about a comic book character that maybe added to my enjoyment of this because whenever you know a character, there's that pressure of, I want them to get this right. And they're like this. It's like, well, they could screw it up. I don't care. But it's also weird how Sony, like you said, it's their MO to take these weird side characters that now we've got Craven coming up. And it's like, okay, I I don't really understand that. We know that it's billing to the Sinister Six as teased in the end credit scene. But at the same time... I, <laughs> I mean, I, what I don't like, though, is, and maybe I misunderstood this, but Michael Keaton, at the very end of this movie, he meets Morbius, and they set up the Sinister Six idea, but I thought he said something along the lines of, we we could do some good. And I'm like, are they going to be bad guys, or are they going to be anti-heroes? Like, is that what we're doing because we don't have, I, I don't like that. I want them bad. Just make them bad. Yeah, and that, uh, that's where I was thinking, like, eventually this has to turn. And in the middle of the mo this movie, I was thinking, when are we going to get Venom and all of these other characters just going bad? And they're bad. There's, there is no, like, you know, saving grace. There is none of them, like, doing good. And maybe in their mind, may and that was where I was trying to reason with this logic that was presented to us, that maybe to them, they're doing good. But in reality... They're not. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I feel like you can do that, but you're usually doing something that's pretty heinous. And it's, I don't, I don't think he does anything in this that's super heinous. Yeah. He kills true. some people, but they're, I didn't feel like it wasn't warranted to some degree, I guess. Right. Yeah. And it's set up that way. And I think eventually they're going to have to turn the tide. But all of these characters are going to have to be on that same page because if one of them, is like, eh, maybe we shouldn't kill them. And they do it, another character does, then they're going to have to fight that other character. So there's going to be infighting in the Sinister Six. Therefore, they're not teaming up against Spider-Man to take him down. I don't know. It's There's definitely a lot where the future of this is questionable, but right now, 
I don't know. The foundation is also questionable. So, <laughs> so the movie opened here with around forty million dollars, which isn't, which is I would say decent. That's a pretty decent opening. It's not going to have, I don't think, Sony rushing to make a second one. And how interested are you in seeing Morbius two? I would actually say I, I I'm intrigued. Like I would see it. I want to watch. I w- I will watch it. I'm not necessarily completely gnawing at the idea of getting a sequel, but I, I would support it. I just, I think I walked away not hating this as much just because I went into it not expecting much. True. Yeah. And when it was outside of story issues that, uh, like we said, feel like it was cobbled together or altered, I felt like this was pretty competently made outside of action that you just couldn't see. So well, maybe that's why I, I walked away, you know, thinking it was maybe better than it is. Yeah. And at this rate, I also see that they will make a sequel based on that the film made half of its budget back in the opening weekend just in the U.S. And if you combine that global tally, it's, you know, because it's made for $75 million And making almost $40 million, 39 in the U.S., that's... Uh, a decent haul. I mean, think of how much you could make if you actually made this into a good movie. You know, get yeah. some good people to make it. This could probably do pretty well. Now, I want to ask, one of the big headlines recently is, once again, we have a movie where Jared Leto and his method acting is making headlines because he's just doing bizarre, asinine things. For this one, Michael Morbius is handicapped he's got like this rare blood disease that has basically destroyed his body to the point where he's using crutches to walk around because he's so weak and fragile now we have jared leto apparently it comes out and this was confirmed (laughs) by the director (laughs) that leto's process uh method acting included limping to the bathroom on crutches because he wanted to stay in character Apparently, things got so out of hand that it was taking up to 45 minutes for him to use the restroom. So <laughs> the, the production team struck up a deal with Jared Leto, and they said, listen, we'll, we'll get you a wheelchair and we'll transport you back and forth to the bathroom so you can still stay in the carriage, but we can speed this process up a little bit. Oh, and nice. he agreed to do it. So imagine... <laughs> You're on a film set and you're forced to wheel around a fully able Jared Leto because he want, doesn't want to break character. Now, the director said this, Daniel Espinosa. He said, I think that what Jared thinks, what Jared believes, is that somehow the pain of those movements, even when he was playing normal Michael Morbius, he needed because he's been having this pain his whole life. Even though he's alive and strong, it has to be a difference. And then he says, hey, man, it's people's processes. <laughs> Do you love, hates this? Because I actually find Leto's antics usually more enta- entertaining than the movies themselves. And in this <laughs> case, this is by far just skyrocketing my enjoyment in this whole Morbius nonsense. Yeah, I I agree with you. I love hearing about the behind the scenes with Leto. I know, and maybe that's part of it makes people mad that he does this, but I also love just like, it's just so, so 
wacky that I love hearing about the wackiness. So would it really yeah, take it, 45 minutes though? I understand getting to the bathroom, but why would it take that long? I find it utterly ridiculous. But at the same time, I I I do love hearing about that. Like and reading more about it. Like when you sent that to me, like, there's no way. That's gotta be like April Fool's. Nope, that's real. That's that's just yet another thing that he did for this. So And they let a grown ass man do that. That is, I think, the most asinine part of this whole thing. And Espinoza says all of the actors believe in processes and you as a director, you support whatever makes it as good as you can be. So you're basically just like, I don't care what you do, just (laughs) make my life easier when you're acting. Like how I don't know. This is for I and this is maybe where I end up drawing a line. And it's hard to like say, okay. It's all art. It's all part of the the giant circle of you're trying to make a good movie. But at the same time, I feel like there's a point where it's like we're not making what is that um, Daniel uh, Day Lewis film, My Left Foot, like that. Yeah, it's not like a film that's going to have like this super dramatic and almost Oscar bait type appeal. Instead, it's supposed to be a, a film, and I know that he's not like trying to make that come across as disrespectful to anyone. But at the same time to do something like that is almost like he's, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's definitely a lot that I, to myself, I'm like, where do you draw the line here? You know, I could maybe understand it a bit more if, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal had that movie stronger a couple of years ago where he is, one of the victims in the Boston bombing attack, and he's like confined to a wheelchair. I can right. understand that a little bit more. I'm kind of at a loss of words overall because with having this kind of behind the scenes for this one aspect, it makes me wonder, you know, what else? There could be like a movie, just a documentary based on what Jared Leto does to get into character in all of his movies. <laughs> and actually, I would watch that. That would be fascinating. It would be good. And I bet you anything he's recorded all of this. It'd be good. Yeah, but that's my thing. How is how has his behavior never leaked? There's got to be somebody on set that's just like, I got to film him acting like a maniac. <laughs> you know that it's it's happened. It definitely has to have happened. So what's he do if he's cast in a role where he just plays a normal dude? Like, what does he act like? <laughs> he would come up with something absolutely insane, though. For the most part, that was him in House of Gucci where he took a character that was... I mean, it seemed like that character was very... He turned him into a, a human cartoon, or Mario, is what he did. I don't know. I still I still enjoy it. As for uh, Morbius Loves Hates, I guess I'll say hates. A very light hates. I didn't hate this movie, but it's, it's, it's weird. It's like that... It's one of those weird movies where I know it's not good, but I didn't hate it. And I do think some of the ripping is a little unfair. Yeah, I agree with that. I I will say that I love it because I can't say I hate this movie overall. Actually, I I feel like this is a guilty pleasure, like how Venom was to a lot of people. Like I prefer this over Venom, both the first and the second. But I can see why people are like, this movie sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I so get that. I'm gonna swap mine. I'm gonna say I loves it. We yeah, get that's what, two loves yeah. up. That's what it gets. Uh, we put that on one of the promos because it needs all the help it can get because it's like at 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. We didn't put the quote. We didn't hate it. We kind of liked it. Yeah, I, I'm, I did not expect that 
at the end of this podcast, we would be saying loves, two loves for Morbius. <laughs> so that's a good surprise. Now, for this next thing, you mentioned that you hadn't seen it. We got one episode of Moon Knight. It's mm-hmm. the new Marvel Studios show on Disney Plus starring Oscar Isaac. It's got Ethan Hawke. It has the voice of Mr. F. Murray Abraham. And first episode, I've watched twice now. I enjoyed it that much. I have some nitpicks. I don't want to say too much because you haven't seen it. But I think you've been pretty soft on these MCU shows, right? Outside of Loki? Yeah. Like overall, I've, I've, um, Loki was good. The more I think about WandaVision, I think it set a a great framework, but it upset me the last two episodes. But the more I think about it, I'm like, depending on where they go, it could redeem itself. As of right now, that's, I can't say, I don't know. I'm I'm left questioning what they were thinking, but that could be explained perhaps after Doctor Strange 2. Like we may have more answers or maybe in other future shows and or movies that the MCU produces. So um, I would say soft overall, yeah. I still haven't seen What If. And I still haven't seen Hawkeye. Yeah. I liked I liked What If because of just what it is. It's like every episode is something new. Hawkeye, overall, man, I was pretty disappointed in that. I, I <sighs> wanted to love it. I didn't think the ep- last episode was very good. Uh, I would put it a notch above WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter wow. Soldier. Both of those are just low tier for me. This is a... Yeah. I like the Christmas setting. Uh, I like a good portion of the first half, but it's m- mid to low tier for me. I think Loki is pretty solid front to back, and I have high hopes for Moon Knight to maintain this for six episodes. One thing that is interesting about Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac is the lead, and I think this is right. For the first time ever, he's not contracted to play this character again. That was one of the stipulations. Was interesting. I don't want to be locked into doing this if I don't want to do it. There is an essence that I love about that because either you do it to the best of your ability or it just doesn't like that's it, it's one off. Um, because even though everything is so well rounded and connected, I like the idea of what if you just take one character or maybe several characters. And you just try your hardest. But it being the MCU, you know that's not going to happen. There's We will see more of this character down the road. That's how I feel. I would imagine so, too. I think him, he's got a good chemistry with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is another actor who, in the past, has shown absolutely no interest in doing like a big comic book film or series. And uh, he was intrigued enough to do this. And I think he's really good in this. And I'm, I'm excited I- for the final five episodes. Now, I'm a little interested in this because I feel like you've hinted a little bit that you might not loves hates, maybe more hates this next thing we're going to talk about. The 12th album from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Unlimited Love. I have a feeling you're going to drop a bombshell on me and this is not something that you're into. This is interesting. This is interesting because I would say, I would go back and say that for before I fully answer your question, I will say that I am more of a fan of the Chili Peppers' last albums that typically get poo-pooed on. 
The Getaway was in 2016. I ro- I like that album. And what, I'm with was you. Was that ripped? Ah, uh, actually, it was more well received than I'm with you. I'm with you got ripped, and that was released in 2011. I like I'm with you because of various songs. One being Look Around. I feel like that's a highly underrated song. It does play into like their um their earlier music a little bit. So I can understand where people are like, oh, this sounds like Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, uh, something that would come off of that album. I get that. And of course, Stadium Arcadium, I would argue is their best album. That came out whenever I was getting ready to go into college. That album has 28 songs. And yeah. <laughs> you know how much and, I hate that. Yeah. And that that was a two-disc set. And when it first came out, I actually was not into the Chili Peppers quite like I am today. This album comes out very anticipated. Like I've been anticipating some new music from this crew from for a while, for a long time. I love getting out on the bike and biking to them. I will say this is not an album I would play on random while biking. I find it hard to get out and like work out to this album. There are some tracks where you could grind to, but I don't find this a grind type album. Therefore, I am soft on this album. Well, you can listen to it while you're not riding on a bike. Yeah, and I have been doing that, which is interesting because each listen, it has gotten better. But on the first listen, I was like, ooh, this is not what I expected at all. On my first listen, it went, I I, I would probably say hates on my first oh, wow. listen. But right, right now, right now, I say loves, but it's a low loves because for my, the other albums of theirs, I... I would say it's strong loves. However, I do like the direction they're going with this. And it gives me hope that if, according to the lead singer, Anthony Kiedis, if they are going to give us these barrels of songs that he's promised, then I'm interested to see where they go. I do think this album's a little bloated, um, which it's funny coming out of Stadium Arcadium. I say all those songs, there's not one bad track on that album. Here, I skip around quite a bit. Um, and it sounds like you've done the same because I do have my favorites. And there are some that I just, I can find myself listening to all the time. But over all this album, I will not be listening to this front to back like I do with albums like Stadium Arcadium or Californication. Um, however, there is a difference to this album that makes it unique and has grown on me. And I like more because it doesn't sound like their other stuff. And that's made me wonder, maybe they're evolving and it's something that perhaps you like a little bit more. Maybe? I, I'm wondering if that's why I like this so much is that I would say I'm a casual Chili Peppers fan. I like a lot of their huge hits. Um, a lot of their, I, there's a, they have a funk sound that I'm not into. And uh, and that okay. shows up on this album uh, a handful of times. And they're just not songs that I genu- genu- generally like. Um, but this, when, I don't, it's 17 tracks. 
which I was not lo- I was not looking forward to going into it. Seventy three minutes long. I think I, I think as a whole it's pretty good. I think you can shave off probably s- maybe six or seven songs, and this is a great album for me. You know, with having the the sound you mentioned, this funk sound, I. I really have always loved that about them, but here it's even that aspect seems different, a little different. And you think it's one, um, the return of John? I do big time. Absolutely. I think he's played a huge part in this album sounding, and this is weird. This sounds a little bit like a paradox, but it's a mix between hard rock and this mellow jazz influence. And you catch a lot of that on certain tracks toward the end of the album that come off as more B-sides than actual A-sides. For example, one of my favorite songs is Let Em Cry. That song is very different than a lot of their songs because you have this, I would say, relatively large influence of this jazz style of a song and to me i'm like okay if that's at the end of the album typically the end of the albums are influential to the band's next album that they release so those give us a little bit of a a telescopic view into the future of where are they going and that makes me interested because i think they can end up using this, riding this wave of creativity towards something else. Uh, but like you said, I I will say that my favorite song, and I've listened to this three times, all in all, my favorite is Here Ever After, which is yours as well. Yeah, that's my favorite. I love that. Well, and so I'm just going to say with Aquatic Mouth Dance, which is interesting, according to the Apple iTunes uh, music charts right now. Aquatic Mouth Dance is in the top five of these new songs. Number three on the track, it sounds so much. It reminds me so much of the adventures of Rain Dance Maggie off of their album, I'm With You. And that was a huge hit on their album, which to me makes me question, were they trying to make it sound a lot like that song or not? Because when I hear Aquatic Mouth Dance, I think of the Adventures song. And I actually prefer the Adventures song, but that is hardcore funk. Like it dives into that sound that they've got. Um, but I mean, it's interesting because I would say of my top three favorite songs, it would be Here Ever After, These Are the Ways, and Let Them Cry. But all three of those are pretty different, you know? Yeah. The, these Are the Ways is really good. Um, I still like the heavy wing, the second, the last track I told you, it just reminds me of a, a stone temple pilot song, mm-hmm. especially the chorus is just very STP. Maybe too. I'm just glad I've, I'm finding myself as I've gotten older to be more interested in their music and their back catalog. So a big, I guess a big part of me is just happy to, ha- to have them in my life right now. I mean, these guys are They've been a band for 40 years. Yeah. Which is insane. And they've been making the rounds on Kimmel and Fallon playing songs and they still rock. Yeah. Like they still look good. They sound amazing. 
I think the good songs on this album are really good. Like among some of my most favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper songs in a long time. You know, it's fascinating because as this morning, when I listened to the back half of this, because the first time I listened to this album, I'd split it in half. I did one listen, like half of the album at the beginning of the day, the other half later. And I'm like, ah, it was very mixed on the first listen. And then the back half, I'm like, what the heck happened? These songs are like, it felt like they were used for demos. And then they, they're like, yeah, we're, we'll drop it. We're done. We don't want to pursue that anymore. And, and then I went back. I'm like, what's my problem with this? I, I don't know if I was just stressed. I wasn't really listening to these songs. And then the second time I just disconnected, I listened to the, the album front to end and then i wasn't interrupted and then same way this morning whenever i listened to the album and the songs i was less excited to listen to they grew on me big time mm-hmm. and i was gonna say even with even with aquatic mouth dance i i pressed play the other day on this um just let it go from the beginning and even that song i was finding myself getting into it and knowing the lyrics and knowing just the rhythm of the song. So it is in some, some of these songs are a grower. And yeah. And I think this album is doing that overall for me. And it's fascinating because I've found the lyrics to these songs to be stronger than their last two albums. And the structure of the songs are just different. Like it was not what I've been expecting, but there's also enough with the way Kiedis the way he structures songs and it's not just him, but there's a little bit of um, uh, Rick from the cars, uh, Rick Ocasek, who is just like the, whether is how he pronounces words, the emphasis that he puts on certain phrases or just Mm -hmm. the structure of the lyrical choices he makes, I find to be extremely fascinating. And that's, only building to why I like this because some of their choices lyrically have, I mean, it's been changing for years because of these guys getting older. And I've found the choices not only for that, but also when to have flea go nuts on the baseline and uh, adding certain elements like John's influences on the electrical uh, guitar tracks. That is just to me, fascinating and so this album overall it is a loves but i could i bet by the end of this month after i've listened to this several other times this could be growing in terms of where i rank this on their their overall albums it's good it's not great i just wish it was a little a little shorter i mean there's there's a great 12 track album on here yeah, yeah, I agree. And then if I if I had to guess, they're going to release a uh, more condensed album in the near future. And I bet that's going to rule. I, I could see them releasing like a six to eight um, short album. Maybe it, it's a, a bridge between this and their next album. But nonetheless, it's gets me very excited for what's the future of the Chili Peppers, because here there are hints to, I think, some great, great songs and potential. Um, but it, 
you know, like you said, it's it's good, not great, but I I will be listening to this nonstop. And I have been super interested. I've been reserved on asking you what you thought because I've wanted to wait and <laughs> save this for the podcast. But um, yeah, this is in full rotation on, on my playlist. That's for sure. I don't want to backtrack, but did when you saw Morbius, did you have anything wacky happen? The, all right. You will not believe this and this may enrage you, but I saw this alone. No, don't tell me that. No. Oh my god! I'm gosh. serious. I swear. And I... That makes me so mad. I, I almost had that with X. I'm almost willing to ki- to count X because there was only two people in the auditorium. See, in the app, whenever I booked my tickets for Morbius, there were two people in the theater and they sat in the front. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's fine. Um, but I didn't think anything else about it. And it was like one of the larger auditoriums. And I sat in, in, the, in, in there waiting for someone to show or the two people to be there. And I'll... I'll be honest. I thought the first going into it, I thought for sure there were other people in that theater because there are times it sounded like people were talking. I'm like, either there are people literally hiding under their seat (laughs) or this movie has amazing sound. And then I chalked it up. It's got to have great sound because it, it sounded like at one point people were talking over my shoulder. I looked over multiple times and just to see no one sitting there. I've had that happen too, where I was getting annoyed. I'm looking and I'm like, oh, that's literally the sound mixing. So you were by yourself. That that actually pisses me off. <laughs> that's, yeah, I I didn't tell you just because I'm like, yeah. Like th- this was another like coincidental thing. And I was, su- I was very surprised it happened. I, for my screening, we had a guy in the back seat, a teen that just coughed the entire time. So that was that was annoying. And then at one point, uh, a man had fallen asleep and was <laughs> snoring loudly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Which hasn't happened um, in a long time. That's happened to me before. But, yeah, he was he was barely not into it. But that was it. That was all that that was all that happened. Nothing too wacky. Oh, well, that's, I find the snoring aspect to be so, so frustrating because I, there was one time I think I clapped my hands or tried to be like purpose, purposefully loud in a random spot that was quiet to try to jar this person awake, but they're watching a movie (laughs) that's like booming and got all these explosions and they're doing that crap. Well, I noticed when it was, when it was loud, I didn't hear him and I don't know if, he, it was drowning out because it wasn't continuous. It would stop and then you yeah. would just randomly hear it. So I don't know if it would kind of jostle him awake or if it just um, drowned out his snoring, but it wasn't anything bad enough for me to go complain. I'll say that. So, uh, I mean, maybe he was just trying to get away from his wife or something. <laughs> My, uh, I know I'm going to break the streak and I'm going to have a bad experience sometime soon. Um, I don't want it. I don't want it, but I'm I'm fully expecting some wacky thing to happen, just like Jared Leto's antics. So we'll be talking about ambulance. Well, may, I know for a fact somebody's going to buy tickets. I'm not going to be alone in the theater for a seven o'clock show, but I'm very excited for this movie. I'm I'm actually pretty pumped too, and especially the reviews so far, hearing some pretty good things about it. Well. 
Film fans and pop culture th- fans, thanks for joining us on this episode. Join us next time as we get bait out. So until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.